Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it was so great to see Darnell Mooney once again go out there, catch that ball, make the move. When the Bears needed a big play, he was the guy who was out there making it, and slowly but surely, and I know that we're going to get into this in, uh, in a couple of moments, slowly but surely, signs of life from the offense. Now, I would prefer they didn't wait till they were down 21-3 to before they started going crazy and doing all sorts of things. But I think that we saw a pretty good game out of Luke Getze. Justin Fields looked more decisive. Darnell Mooney out there making one-handed grabs. And what about my best friend, Bayless Jones Jr.? You know, we talked about this at Rip Beer Company, which is the Huntington Beach home of the Sick Podcast. Actually, it's kind of the uh, Southern California home of the Sick Podcast. How they needed to get Bayless Jones Jr. involved more in this, especially in the in the red area, is where we wanted to see it. You know, he is such an explosive player. It seemed weird that they didn't have more plays drawn up for him. But you know what? He's just coming back from injury. We're seeing in Kill Harry getting available, practicing this week. I don't know. Starting to look somewhat decent. A lot of good things going on with the Chicago Bears despite the loss on Sunday. We got so much to talk about. So, Sammy, why don't we go ahead and start the show? Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back, Justin Fields making magic happen, there goes Fields, touchdown! The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other, it's gonna be sick. Hey, it's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. Big show planned for you tonight because, of course, the Bears are going to be playing on Thursday night against the Washington Commanders. So just a little bit of housekeeping for you. We will be recording our podcast for the end of the week after the game on Thursday. So if you're looking for it Thursday afternoon, we're not, maybe I'll do a little bit of a preview, maybe go on Instagram or something like that, or TikTok, anything like that, talk about the game ahead of time. But we will be joining you after the game on Thursday. And of course that show will air on WCKG AM 1530 in Chicago, the Chicago home of the sick podcast. But right now uh, let's bring in our co-host Carmen Vitale who is spending too much time with the opposing... No, I'm just kidding. How are you this evening? How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. I actually just got back from Hallis, so you can't Ooh. even say that I'm spending too much time with any of the other teams in the division because I was with the Bears today. Fair enough. How are, how are the Bears looking? How was practice? What did you notice? Uh, so we didn't go to practice because there wasn't practice. They were doing a walkthrough for the second day in a row, and then tomorrow is their first and only practice of the week. Uh, it's a bit of a different schedule than I've ever heard of, which is a little yeah. bit interesting. Usually, like when teams have Thursday night games or on short weeks, like Monday after the game is still a walkthrough. Tuesday right. they go really hard, and then Wednesday they kind of taper off again in anticipation of the game. Uh, not the schedule for the Bears this week. They are walkthrough Monday, Tuesday, practice Wednesday, and then of course the Thursday night game. Interesting. Have you ever heard of a team doing that? Because it, it feels weird no. to me. Yeah. I, well, yeah, we were talking about it in the press room today because I I had never heard of that. I've been, you know, I was with the Bucks for six years. That's not how they operated any time that they were on Thursday nights. Um, I guess, like, 
I can kind of see it because you wait around all day Thursday. So, but like, I don't know if you can go so far as to count that as like a day of rest. Because yeah. it's like, it's not, it's still not quite like you don't get the overnight. And I think overnight is a lot where a lot of, you know, rest and recovery happens, obviously. So I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to see how this ends up working out. And with the Bears have talked about how they want to start faster and how they have to start faster. And I'm like, this seems a little counterintuitive to me, but I'm not a coach. I don't do these things for a living. So I don't make these decisions for a living. So uh, it makes sense to Eberflus and his staff. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I can kind of see it like if you're used to practicing on Thursday anyways, then maybe staying in your same rhythm of not practicing on Monday and Tuesday because you don't normally practice on those days. You practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so perhaps your body is used to that and you can make a little bit of an adjustment. You know, it's similar to when I used to cover a, a college basketball team, Long Beach State, and the players always hated their practice schedule because they practice at 7 o'clock at night and I said, when are all your games? They're like, well, 7 o'clock at night. I'm like, well, that's what your coach is doing. Like, he's not – why practice at 3.30 if you're going to play games even on the Saturdays at 7 o'clock? So it made sense, and I think they went to the tournament that year. So maybe uh, the Bears do know what they're doing. It'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting experiment to see what's been going on. How did they uh, – did you talk to the players, though? How, how's the mood there despite the loss this week? Yeah, so they brought in uh, – there was no open locker room today either, which was another kind of surprising thing. Uh, that's something I haven't encountered either. Where, and yeah, I know it's a short week, but usually that doesn't affect open locker rooms. Instead, uh, they brought Roquan Smith and Justin Fields to the podium along with all of the coordinators. Uh, we did get to talk to some of the defensive coaches, assistant coaches too. So I got to talk to linebacker, linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi. Uh, and it was after we had already talked to Roquan Smith. So that was kind of a tie-in. I'm going to have something on, you know, for Fox Sports on that actually tomorrow. But um, I mean, Roquan, I tweeted this because I guess I probably haven't been around him enough uh, just switching over to this beat this season. He is so happy and positive and just like very upbeat every time I've seen him and I talked to him in training camp too. So this is like a consistent thing that I've seen now. And he seems to be encouraged. Everybody seems to be encouraged. Justin Fields press conference didn't last very long. Um, but he did talk about how uh, he's been focusing kind of like he's trying different things to kind of, you know, ease himself in and calm himself down. And he said that he's been working on his breathing yeah. um, like yoga breathing so he said that carried he tried it uh, in, in two games ago, and then he, he carried over into the Vikings game. The game against the Giants is when he first tried it, and then it carried over to the Vikings game to keep him calm. Uh, and, I mean, that's kind of – he's he was really calm, like, against the Vikings, even when things were kind of going – being really chaotic. So I, it, it seems to be working. Yeah, it's one of those things, if you ever take yoga, that was the most jarring thing because I think a lot of people think it's just stretching. You're just going out there and stretching, but it's all focusing on your breathing. So and hard. it is, yeah, you know what? And it is very difficult. So if it's helping him out, because he did look calm out there. He made a lot of good plays. I thought that his presence in the pocket looked a lot better, even though he was under duress for certain plays. It still felt like he was making a lot of the correct decisions. What do the coaches think about that? Did you, did you get an opportunity to talk to any of them? Because it feels like when I'm looking at that game, you know, there's some plays where you're like, oh, you, you might not have wanted to throw that ball or there was a miscommunication here or there, but that happens for everybody. It still seemed like he was making better decisions. Yeah. And Luke Getzey talked about it a little bit. He said that the protection is and like how much he is pressured is still not where they want it to be. Um, but he said that he can see the growth in Justin Fields and he can see it kind of week by week. And I think that everybody is now seeing it. I think that maybe it was the first few weeks of the season the progress that Justin Fields was seeing. I mean, Luke Etsy said it over and over again, every single week was like, you know, he's improving in this way, that way. And the other, you guys just can't see it essentially. And I think that there's some truth to that because they know how much he's processing things. And I even asked Getsy today because he made a, it was interesting. He made a comment about how when he was in green Bay, there was this whole kind of notion around him or like he would always get asked how much, autonomy Aaron Rodgers has like is he going out there is he calling things all the other stuff and he would say I mean like with a guy that's been in the league for that long yeah of course like he's the one calling a two-minute drill he's the one that'll get on and he has a lot of autonomy in that offense Fields isn't there yet and Getsy said that flat out and that makes sense but they are kind of bringing him along a little bit more they don't they're not he's he's coaching him and he's not kind of giving him that freedom and autonomy quite yet. I think he wants to see that Justin has a really firm grasp 
on not only has a grasp on the offense, but also just has experience. Like he's, he told me that there's no substitute for that. Like they practice it more than anybody he's ever been with in practice, as far as like Justin calling things and making decisions and, and audibling and all that other stuff in practice. But there's no replication of that other than in the games. And it's just going to take more experience. So I thought that was really interesting to hear him kind of be a little bit more candid about that. But it's true. I mean, you're not going to let Justin kind of have free reign when he doesn't know what he's even in control of yet. Yeah, I, I think that's a realistic expectation. But then we're, we're dealing with Bears fans and some of the Chicago media who don't seem to get that because I forget who it was and I don't want to breathe life into whoever this person was. But they were talking about Kirk Cousins and they're like, well, if Kirk Cousins, you know, he was 18 for 18 or 17 for 17, whatever it was. He's like, if Justin yeah. Fields done, and like you're comparing him to Kirk Cousins, and you're like, yeah, Kirk Cousins, 11-year veteran who's only played in the Shanahan system is going to have games like that, especially when he's able to pick on a cornerback who's a little less experienced. Those things will happen. You have Justin Jefferson as well. Like, yeah, things like that are going to happen. There, it, I don't think it's a knock. Like, I don't think it's the own that you think it is. Like, I think Bears fans were very encouraged because, again, what I was talking about a moment ago, like, there's signs of life. And I think that's what everybody's going for. I'm apparently the only idiot who wants to go out there and win football games. Everybody, like, I was, I was legitimately, like, not happy. Not not happy, but I was upset that we lost. I'm sure there was a lot of people like, we, we, were, we were good. Like, Justin was good. And you're like, okay, fine. Like, be what you want to be. I wanted to win because apparently I'm a bad person. I wanted to win that football game. And selfishly, I still want Justin to play better. But I just thought that comparing the two, it just didn't, it didn't seem fair. And that he just keeps going and going. And I made this comment on Total Access, I think it was last week. And I was telling Thomas Davis as I'm sitting here name dropping. I'm, I'm jealous of your name dropping because you're in the locker room. So I got to be able to tell like once in a while. I was hanging out with Thomas Davis. I was talking to D'Angelo Hall too. Where I'm like, you know what it is? I go, D. Hall, I go, it's like when you're learning like a, like a new golf swing or something and you're killing it on the range and you're like, oh, this is great. You go on the course and it's terrible. I feel like that's where Justin's been for a couple of weeks. But this, until the Vikings game, then he goes out there and flushes a couple of shots, goes out there, starts playing a little bit better. Then you gain confidence. Then you're going to go out and expect some kind of things like that. So that's what I'm hoping from Justin. Is he feeling, what's he like? What, what was his demeanor like in the locker room? I saw a little bit of it uh the video of it but how was it like being there what was he yeah i mean he's again he's just really chill he's super calm he is you know very kind of like he's he's at ease i feel like when he's talking to the media and stuff like that and i think that there's a little bit of uh you know last week especially before the, the vikings game like he was a little bit defensive and all that and i don't necessarily think that that comes out of being defensive i think that that's just kind of a I mean, you're kind of being asked the same things over and over again. And especially, like I said before, when you know that you're seeing progress internally and that maybe yeah. it's just not translating externally yet, it is frustrating to have to keep saying the same things over and over and over again. Yeah. And so I think what the Minnesota game gave him the opportunity to do was finally like point to something and be like, all right, here's some tangible improvement. You guys can see it. This is something that like, this is why we've been so calm all along. And yeah. again, like this, there's, there's, it's five games in the system. So I think that he's been really just kind of like, if he's subdued, it's kind of just because he's being asked the same things over and over again. Right. But today, I, like I said, the press conference and Apple didn't last very long. And I mean, he just seemed, he's, he's just chill. Like, I don't really know how else to describe it. No, it's good. No, I, I felt like I never got a chance to talk to him, but I yeah. do know like talking to Eberflus and Getsy. Like they always make me feel better about everything. You're like, okay, I'm like it's it's so it's sort of the thing about like explain it to me like I'm a five year old. Mm -hmm. And Eberflus has a way of connecting with people. Getsy always puts it like matter of factly, but like not yes. like I don't feel stupid when he's explaining it to me. And I don't understand why people have been so critical of Luke Getsy. Like I'm sorry, I, I again, I, I'm not trying to throw the players under the bus, but at some point it's like we're still learning a new system. We don't get as much training camp time as we used to get back in the olden days. Back in the olden days when these guys could practice two a days and do stuff like that, they would come in a little bit more prepared. It's now going to be a little bit of a work in progress, and I think that it's been very encouraging. 
and our coach isn't sitting there throwing Justin under the bus like the Washington Commanders coach is. So that's always a lot of fun too. But before I before I mention anything else, I do want to I do want to say that we got a Thursday night game, and if your fantasy season sucks and it's not going the way that you wanted it to go, well, guess what? You're in luck because you can go to underdogfantasy.com or even better, download the app. Download the Underdog Fantasy app and you can sign up and check this out. Underdog will match your first deposit up to a hundred bucks. Just use the code SICK. You're in. You can do like all there's all kinds of cool contests. There's player props. You don't have to be tied into the bad decisions you made back in August. Drafting Kyle Pitts, drafting Allen Robinson, who I'm not mad at. I'm mad at Matthew Staff. I'm looking at the stadium. I'm mad at Matthew Stafford. And all those guys. But you know what? You can go out. You can rewrite your season by going to underdogfantasy.com. You won't be disappointed. By the way, it's a cool app to have on your phone anyways because you get up-to-date You get up to date players like news. So if somebody's missing practice or somebody's not going, you know, if somebody's ruled out ahead of time, Underdog will let you know. Just sign up, get those notifications, and you're living. I live by those. That's how I get. I'll be on the show sometimes, and I'll see an update come through. So that's a little pro tip for you. What about, oh, what about my friend Bayless Jones Jr.? I wanted to talk about this a little bit. We had been talking about this as we get together at Rip Beer Company in Huntington Beach every Sunday. Of course, not this Sunday because the Bears are playing on Thursday night. People will be there at the PCH location. I might or might not be there. But over the last couple of weeks when Bayless Jones Jr. has been active, I was always wondering why they didn't do more to get him involved, especially when they got near the red area. But this week, they ran that play. How Did you see my guy, Bayless? How's he feeling? I hope he's doing well. Uh, I didn't see him today. But, no, I mean, I, we, Luke Gessie was asked about him and kind of getting him some more, like, is, is are they trusting him a little bit more to get some more snaps on offense? And guess he really wouldn't commit to anything more than, you know, figuring out if he matches up well with the opposing team in some way, shape or form and exploiting those matchups with him. And I think that that's what you're going to see. Like you're not going to put the load on him. He's not going to be your number two receiver for right now. It doesn't seem like that's what the plan is for him, especially given the value that he now brings in that return game on special teams. So that is kind of his main focus right now. And they're easing him into the offensive game plan as well. But it's just going to, I think, come down to who they, who, like who they're playing, what kind of matchups that Bayless Jones can present with those guys and, and working him in maybe a little bit more. I think he got like, you know, like three snaps on offense this last yeah. game, but he made him count. Hey, listen. Like that little, that little toss pass. It was technically a pass, even though it was you know, a little pitch. But it was his first oh. catch. By the way, Aaron Rodgers has been doing that for years. So I don't mind Justin Fields taking a cheapie and doing it as well. Aaron Rod- like I'd say about 90% of Aaron Rodgers. No, that's, I'm exaggerating. But that Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins did it. Why oh, yeah. can't Justin's do it? Like, let him get Kirk Cousins had one where it was like a cross face thing where he yeah. like faked the hand. And then he, like, yeah, it was, yeah. They, they, there was both. I mean, like, I think that's a really integral part of this offense, quite honestly, is kind of getting the ball into receivers' hands or running backs' hands in the backfield in certain ways that are maybe a little bit different um, and more creative. But yeah, I mean, Bayless Jones Jr., like he called it, he said, my first NFL pass is going to be, is going to go for a touchdown, and it did, so by the technicality. Um, but no, I mean, like, again, I think he's, he's used more as a gadget player for right now. He's not overly big, so like, I feel like the red area no. touches are go to guys like the big receivers, the big X receivers, the tight ends. That, I mean, we saw what Travis Kelsey did last night. You know, he had 25 total yards, be four touchdowns because yeah. all it was was get Travis Kelsey the ball in the red zone. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily like, I just think most receivers aren't that unless you have a Mike Evans or a Keenan Allen or something like that. Like they're not known for being red zone targets. By the way, don't 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 say that Bayless is undersized because some poor bastard had to delete his account because he uh, he he's a he's a. I'm not saying he's undersized. I'm just saying he's not I like know. one of the big red zone targets. Like again, he's not Mike Evans. He's not Keenan Allen. He's not these big 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 dudes. He's not Equinemius St. Brown is a large human being. Cole Komet. By the way, how nice was it to see? It, if, is it my imagination? But like every time Cole Komet catches the football. 
he drags like eight guys with him. Like it's pretty <laughs> impressive. Like, it's like, hard to tackle him. And if you want to bring up him and EQ on that third down or um, third quarter long pass to EQ, Equinemia St. Brown, if you watch that play, uh, Cole Komet kind of stays in to how like Justin Fields talked about how the protection protection was a lot better. Justin yeah. or um, Cole Komet pulls across the formation. And he like he ends up doing like a motion to see like what kind of coverage the defense is in. Turns out they're in zone. And then he goes, he motions all the way to the other side to help out the left side of the line and buy Justin more time to get that pass off. So again, this is one of those things where like tight ends in this offense are utilized in so many different ways and they're responsible for so much. So it's really good to see him now on the stat sheet. I think two of his catches came on third down. And then two of his catches also went for first down. It was weren't the same two catches, but it worked. Um, but he's been con- contributing to this offense all yeah. year, whether he's been showing up on the stat sheet or not in the ways that that EQ catch went for. Yeah. Well, all the fantasy nerds are out there. By the way, they, the people, hopefully you're playing underdog fantasy. We'll find a way to, to reward those who do a great job of blocking a, as well as catching the football. I, I think wanna... tight ends should get should get points for that. Absolutely, right? like, that's part of their job. They should get points oh. for blocks. I know. I don't want to get. I don't want to get too deep into the woods with this one, but I, I have to say this because there was a conversation that was to be had last night where people were talking about Travis Kelsey being the best tight end of all time. Oh yeah, and I'm and I, I know that Gronk was trending because of this. And I, I want to let everybody know I'm firmly on the Gronk side. I'm like, you guys, you have to be. You like have Gronk, to be. if they wanted to throw four touchdown passes to Gronk every game, they would have. Travis Kelsey, who I love, great player, is not even close to being the blocker that Gronk was. Like it's not, no. not comparable. Like not comparable. I, I would almost even say that like George Kittle's more valuable because of George, but he, but George blocks a lot more too. Like, and that's kind yeah. of hurting his production. So. I that was the one thing that I just marveled at when I was in Tampa and when Gronk first got there I because it took him a while to get going yeah first season and he he even joked to me he's like I'm a blocking tight end but like he is a blocking tight end he is quite possibly the best blocking tight end ever on top of being the best receiving tight end ever so like yeah it's just it's not even a question I'm not saying Travis like Travis Kelsey is insane and the duel between him and Mahomes is awesome but I think that there's a recency bias that comes into here Whereas you're expecting in the fantasy era, not that Gronk was, you know, pre-fantasy era, but like you want, because he still had all that production, but like you want tight ends that are catching footballs for your fantasy team versus doing everything that a Y tight end needs to do. And Gronk is just by far and away the best at all of that. And I will never, ever hear an argument otherwise. As much as I like Travis Kelsey. I love Travis Kelsey. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's not a shot at Travis Kelsey at all. It's just funny. Like usually when there's a when there's a bias like that, it's usually a guy who played like 20 years ago, where they're like, right. like you know, like but like now the the guy who retired this year, uh, people have already forgotten about how great he is. But I'm glad. But like all able- the all these new tight ends though too are like, yeah, I grew up watching Gronk. Like That's they are trying to be Gronk. It's hysterical. And throw a block. That's all we ask. I uh, no, I'm kidding. But I'm glad. Well, I'm glad we cleared the air on that issue. And by the way, speaking of clearing the air. I recently acquired an air purifier from our friends at Air Pura. And I got to be honest with you, it has been an absolute delight having it in the house. There are so many things, so many reasons why you need an air purifier. The kids are back in school, which means they're bringing in viruses. There's pollution. There's, there's wildfires out here in Southern California. There's chemicals. There's my, my neighbor smokes. Like I need an air purifier and we got one from Air Pura. And it has been awesome. It is super silent. The kids love it. They think it looks like an, a, a droid from Star Wars. It looks super cool. It looks like it's it, it looks like it's part of the house. Like we we bought this piece of modern furniture, but really what it's doing is clearing the air. And right now, anybody who is listening or watching the sick podcast, you can go to and find our friends at Air Pura Air Purifiers. Use the code six seven six seven for seven percent off your air purifier, you will not regret the purchase. Uh, what about some questions, Sammy? What are we What are we doing? Are there people, are there comments? Are people there? Do you think, oh, Bears fan 2006, do you think that Robert Quinn will be traded at the deadline? What do you think, Carmen? 
uh, I hate to say it because I didn't want to necessarily be right about this. Uh, prior to the season, I wrote about why the Bears should trade Robert Quinn. And yeah. like his his like what what his return was never going to be higher than prior to this season, especially now that again, like this is still an adjustment period for this whole defense. We talk a lot about how the offense has a new system. Defense has an entirely right. new scheme. I talked to the Bears linebackers coach Dave Borgonzi today about that in particular. And he was like, you know, it's still football. And with as much as people, uh, defenses are in sub packages, it doesn't really matter. But one thing that was struck me was that Robert Quinn said earlier in training camp that like going back to a four, three was like coming home because he spent all yeah. those years with the Rams in a four, three. And he was super productive in a three, four last year having those 18 and a half sacks. And so like, I like, I get that he probably thought that this was just going to kind of pick up where he left off as far as, you know, the scheme went when he was in a four, three, it's not proving to be as seamless as that. And yeah. now his trade value has drastically, I feel like diminished. Um, I don't know. It like, is a, if you could get like a sixth round pick for him, is that worth it? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer because like, it's not just Robert Quinn, like the bears pass rush is lacking right now. And I feel I feel like that falls on the entire defensive front, not just Robert Quinn. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know what you're going to get from him. But I also like he could once he gets a little bit more comfortable and everybody gets a little more comfortable, maybe you're going to see some more production with him. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a long winded way to say I don't really know. I just wish they would have done it earlier. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I was willing to wait, and I think that you know at at, at a certain point. You know, the Chargers came in and they had an offer for Cleo Mack, like one that you could not turn down, especially when they're picking up all of his contract. I still feel, and maybe I'm deluded, and I know that I get accused of being toxically positive way too much, and that's fine. But there's still a value with Robert Quinn. And I go back to last season. Von Miller was not playing well when he was acquired by the LA Rams. Like he was just kind of like, eh, you know, he was a fine player. He wasn't, he wasn't the Von Miller that we saw in the playoffs by any stretch yeah. of the imagination and even what we're seeing right now in Buffalo. And I do believe that if we get a team that needs a player and I don't know, I, I this is, I, I'm not sure that this is a fit. I'm not, I'm just using this as an example, but if you have a team like the Baltimore Ravens and I'm, I'm not, I have no insight in this. I'm just using it as an example. But if you're a team like the Ravens or even the bills, like I know the bills wouldn't need to do it because they have Von Miller. But if you're a team that you know are going to be competitive every year and your picks don't matter, like not that they don't matter as much, but it's like we're good. Like we're, we're a good team. We're not rebuilding. If one of those teams gets into a situation where they're like, we need somebody, I think a lot of them will look back into what Robert Quinn did last year and be like, well, this is an effective player if he's used in the right situation. You know, you can even look at like what Leonard Floyd went through when he went like he did not play very well for us goes to LA, plays with Aaron Donald, certain suddenly does very well. Maybe the Rams. Like, I, I could see a team being desperate and then spending more than they need to. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you buy yeah. food. At, it's like when you buy food at the airport. Like, yeah, it would have been cheaper for me to stop at the Del Taco on the way here, but I didn't have time for that. I'm here now. I'm going to pay $10 for a bag of chips. Like, it's just one of those things that I'm hopeful that if they do – end up moving on from Robert Quinn. And I, I could see it. And this was really, you know, this was one of the things that I talked about coming into the season is that I wanted to wait for this very reason is to drive the price up, you know, like I, I feel like it's a perfect opportunity. So, but I think ultimately, I think he does get moved as much as I hate to say yeah. it. I just, yeah, I like, I wanted to wait, like, and there was no way to predict this. I wanted to wait under the condition that he was still going to be a productive player, like tangibly productive, I should say. Because yeah. defenses still have to account or offenses still have to account for him. And that in itself brings value. But I mean, you talk about the Ravens, the Ravens just signed Jason Pierre Paul. So yeah. like, and he, he hit a sack uh, this last game. So like, you're going to have teams that are going to be looking for some of those veterans, but like, I do feel like the first wave kind of already passed. Yeah. So I think it's, it's going to be, it's going to hinge on some team, like some team having an injury that they can't yes. overcome that they're going to need to bring someone in for. And that's kind of your own, that's your best bet to get some substantial return for him. Cause otherwise right now, I mean, like 
yeah, I just feel like his his trade value went down, unfortunately, fairly or not. And I think that it, that's not to say I don't think he can be productive for either another team or down the line for the Bears. They just have some things to figure out up front first. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it, it definitely does need to be from a position of need. And if we can continue to wait and continue to make teams hold out, I know they pushed the trade deadline back a little bit. So hopefully that does work out in our favor. And who knows what's going to be going on with Carolina if they start to have a fire sale as well, it might impact our value. And I know people are probably going to ask a question about that, but what else do we have, Sammy? There it is. <laughs> do you think the Bears – I knew it was – listen, I, I can't imagine. We're, we weren't going to go throughout this show um, talking about without talking about DJ Moore. And it's all hypothetical. We don't know what the Carolina Panthers are going to do. What do you think? Do you think the bear? What do you think the price would be for DJ Moore? And do you think the Bears would even make that move? Yeah, I I struggle to figure out what kind of price it would take. Like I, they have, I like, I like they want to build, so I mm-hmm. don't see them being very willing to part with any of these draft picks that they have. Because I think that yeah, to get DJ Moore, you're talking at least a third rounder. Yeah, um, which is again, premium capital. Like I think we get bogged down by like thinking first rounders and second round, whatever, like third round is you can get very good players. You can get starters in the third round. Um, And I just, I don't think now is the right time to do it either. And I don't think that DJ Moore, like, I think if you were to get another receiver, if you were to trade for another receiver, give up some significant capital for another receiver, it needs to be a bona fide number one, like, gonna take the reins and i don't know if it, if there was a bias there because i was in tampa bay and so i just didn't yeah. take dj Moore. like whatever oh, i don't no. see dj Moore as being that person oh my god like is he going to command an entire unit is he going to lead that entire unit is he going to like be your far and away like is he far and away better than darnell mooney no but i but again like you you have a situation similar to what happened when you had al sean and brandon marshall where you have two really good players. Yeah. yeah, you know, we don't have a Devontae Adams type, perhaps. But I think if you have those two guys, they make each other better. They compete against each other. I think that's yeah, they, that's that's a draw. really good receiver room. I mean, it's it's not to the level of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but I think it's pretty good. And I think that you would start to talk about like, yeah, there's there's it's not a slouch. And I think it's no, you know, it's very similar to what would have been with Allen Robinson. And Darnell Mooney. I think that I think that DJ Moore gets slept on maybe a little bit too much. I think that, you know, I went through Matt Harmon's reception perception when he was coming out of college and in his first couple of years in the NFL. He charts out as an excellent receiver. I think that he's been plagued by having quarterback play that really hasn't risen his uh his stature, you know, kind of playing yeah. for you know, play, that's what happens when you play with Carolina. And you have a quarterback who runs too much like Cam Newton did. And I know that, and by the, and before you even start working your, not you, Carmen, but before you out there in the internet start working your fingers, like, oh, Justin Fields is a, Justin Fields is a pocket passer. He's a pocket pass. I know you weren't going to say it, but I'm like, he's not, he's a pocket passer. He would like, I know, I know, but there's the, the casuals and not not, most Bears fans are not this way. I'm talking about the, the Lions fans that are joining us. Uh, Oh, your your quarterback. Our quarterback's under duress. He has to run. Um, but I think that if you give Justin, we saw it at Ohio State. You know, when he gets an opportunity to throw to guys like Chris Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson and players like that, he can go out there and, and 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 chuck the rock, and that's what he would love to do. And when he needs to make a play with his feet, he will go out and do it. He's not he's not Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen loves running a little bit too much, but. I, I actually really like DJ Moore. I, I, I think that he's a plus wide receiver. I think that he would be worth the risk if the, if the price was right. And again, I'm not as nuanced as somebody like Tom Pelissero or anybody like that. But gosh, if you could get a price for DJ Moore, I kind of like that. I kind of like that move. I think he would be a good player. And I know your Tampa Bay bias is coming out because you guys shut him down. But he's a good player. You're, you're looking at it through the wrong lens. You're coming from an elite I, level organization. Uh, that's true. I no, and I mean, but to be fair, like for most of my time with Tampa, I was not I was not so lucky. Um, yeah. Although yeah. they always had Mike Evans and Chris Mike Arnold, Evans. But again, 
Yeah, I know. Meg Evans. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, he would take attention away from Darnell Mooney and he would force defenses to account for both of them and then sprinkling in some Byron Pringle, hopefully Nikhil Harry comes back soon and all that kind of stuff. I get that. I just think that like for it to be worth it at this stage of the game, when you're still figuring things out, like you're going to need someone that comes in right away. That can be a leader right away. that can lead this receiver room right away. That is by far and away better than anything that they have. I think maybe next year is when you talk about adding someone that is, you know, on that level or whatever. I just don't know if like you're not in contention this year. You're not trying to be in contention. I don't think this year. So like why part with a very crucial building block um, in, cause I'm assuming that's what you would trade away as a draft pick. Um, Okay. But if if DJ Moore was available next year in the draft in the third round, would you take him? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what you got to, I, I mean, that's the way I look at it is that, okay, like if he was there in the third round, I would take a look. Yeah, I would definitely want to draft him. And you still have a first rounder in two seconds to go out there. I know I, I, I almost imagine our first rounders going on the offensive line or we're trading down or we're acquiring picks or doing something like that. And if you already had DJ Moore, and you could still draft a wide receiver, even though that we haven't drafted one. Brian Poles has never drafted one, um, which is funny to say just because of the one draft. I still think that, I don't know. I like the building block. I think that if we waited around too long, because I don't know who's available. Like we saw this huge wave go through, like Tyreek Hill got traded, but everybody else got locked up. You know, like the guys that we thought could be available, Debo's locked up, even Terry McLaurin. Although I don't know if the, if the commanders want to part with Terry McLaurin, your guys are going to Diami Brown and Curtis Samuel if you want to get how rid of, many of those, how many of those guys did you know though were going to be on the tra- like no one saw the Tyree Kill trade coming no one saw like there are guys that are going to be available that you that we don't know about yet you know what I mean like yeah. the price is right you can move a lot uh, that can be very persuasive but like you I mean you bring that up though and yeah like you have to pay these guys then too mm-hmm. and it's much so like to your to your point of do I would I draft DJ Moore in the draft. I would draft him as a draft pick in the draft, yes, because he comes a lot cheaper. So yeah. that's that's the difference between this veteran and a draft pick is that you're now going to have to pay – like that's going to take up a significant chunk of your cap space, which you have a lot, granted. So, again, like that's something for them to figure out. But if you're really focused on building and you have all of these wonderful assets coming up next year, I don't know why you kind of trade that away when that could be so valuable. Yeah, I guess that's true. We didn't see a lot of these guys cutting free. Maybe Justin Jefferson's available next. I know that's a that's an extreme. That's example. a pipe dream. <laughs> that's a pipe dream, and he certainly wouldn't be traded to the Chicago Bears. So uh, we could let that one go. But yeah, you never know. I mean, Stephon Diggs being traded a couple of years ago was a surprise. Yeah, stranger things have happened in the NFL. I just really, I, I, yeah, I guess it's a tough thing too because you do want to be diligent and you do want to stay the course. And you still, you've done such a great job. And I know right now that everybody's looking at the George Pickens situation, which by the way, like George Pickens is fine. You guys are acting, not you, but you guys are still acting like he's a hall of famer already. Like, oh, cause Kenny Pickett targeted him 14 times. He's the best. Like, no, no, no. Like it doesn't work that way. And there are reasons why he slid so far in the draft. There's haven't surfaced yet. He's been fine so far. But at the same time, you know what? Let's, I don't know. I, I just want another good, and I've always, I, and by, as a biased observer, of a fan of the sport, I've always loved DJ Moore. Even though him and I don't get along fantasy-wise, I've always liked DJ Moore, and I've always liked his game. So that kind of piques my interest. If it was somebody else who I didn't really care for, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Dante Pettis isn't the right example. But somebody like that, like you're like, eh. I don't know. I really like DJ Moore. That's a good player to me. I'm not, but I didn't get to watch Mike Evans for six years. So, <laughs> so we have that. Going. Yeah. Oh my God. Chris Godwin, maybe Godwin becomes available. Who knows? Uh, mm. Once Tom Brady leaves, let's just start picking apart the Buccaneers. They got a real. Well, I mean, Godwin, Godwin, no, they, they got the deal done with him. Didn't they? No, no. Yeah. yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Don't ruin my hopes and dreams just quite yet. But uh, how about another question, Sammy? Oh, 
that I was going to ask about that. What is that custom made? Where did you, where would you acquire something like that? Uh, Amazon, first of all, there's a, there's a custom, you can do a custom thing. And uh, yeah, that was like, I know I, I, I hesitate to say that it's a Tom Brady. I know it's a Tom Brady thing, but like at the same time, it's just, it's, it's become so synonymous just with football in general. And I just think it's funny because if you like LFG, like if you don't know, if you have to ask, then you don't know. And so like when my mom comes over, like she's not going to know what that means. Right. But, but it looks like cool. It. Uh, by the way, we have, as a fan, as, as a, as a fan of sport, uh, Bears fans have no beef with Tom Brady. Like there's nothing. We beat him. In the regular season, the last time we saw him, right? No, we lost. But that one time, back when we were good, we beat him with Nick Foles. Uh, he never beat us in a Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, we're one of the teams that actually beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Not Tom Brady's team. I was say, be- He's not that old. <laughs> I know. I Somebody tweeted out the photo. Like, the, the Hall of Fame handle will do this. They're like, hey, they show that Pat the Patriot. Like, who do you think of when they show this logo? And they showed Pat the Patriot. I'm like, Mike Singletary. But, you know, because <laughs> of the Super Bowl. And everybody's like, well, that's the last time they were relevant. And I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have opened myself up for that one. But it's still what I thought of uh, in any event. But I love the, I do love the sign as well. Okay, what about another question? Or a comment, whatever, whatever it is. I love Bears All, who's a great fan who joins us every week. Uh, do you feel like Getsy is getting better at play calling? And why does it take Williams an entire half to make adjustments? I mean... This team is so good defensively in the yeah. second half. I think we're like, I don't know. I'm assuming we've given up a touchdown in the second half. I can't recall when it was. Oh, it would have been this week. But they're so good in the second half. What's up with that? Why Why can't they make an adjustment sooner? So it was, it was interesting for both of those things. I'll start with Alan Williams first. Alan Williams talked today, and he copped to it. He was like, because he did say, a lot of their issues in the first half was really just came down to execution, but that you know, is kind of coach speak for just like, I, I don't know, man, there was a lot of stuff that happened and that went yeah. wrong. Um, but he did say, he said in the second half that they moved to, you know, running more too high coverages and or too high coverage. And he said that as a play caller, he put the onus on himself and was like, I should have switched to that a lot sooner. And yeah. he's like, that's on me. So um yeah, I mean, I think that you go into a game with a certain game plan and even if it's like, especially if it's not working, but you're also seeing like some mental errors some execution errors and tackling errors, all the other stuff, you're not convinced that it's necessarily like what you're calling that is, that's the issue. Yeah. And I think that like when you, you know, kind of, it just takes a little bit of time, but to be fair, he caught to it and he was like, I should have switched to playing more too high, like, you know, the two deep safeties much sooner. Um, it was interesting too to hear uh, Luke Getze talk about. I do think that he's becoming more comfortable as a play caller, yeah. but he brought it up today too. Not only is he like is is the team becoming more comfortable in this offense, and he becoming more comfortable, he's becoming more comfortable as a play caller. His coaches are getting to know him more and how he operates as a play caller too, because I feel like what's lost on a lot of people is kind of the chain of command internally. So you have your offensive coordinator. And then you have all your position coaches. Well, your scheme is only as good as how well it gets translated and trickled down throughout the week. Mm-hmm. So it's like this game of telephone, essentially. Like, Getsy isn't in every single meeting room telling each position group what they need to be doing. He's trusting his coaches to do that. Well, his coaches also have to learn him. They have to learn, you know, what he, what makes him tick. They have to kind of understand why he does certain things and what his why is. They talk about this all the time, like what the why is behind everything. Yeah. And it, but it's true. And so I don't know if the average fan necessarily understands that that's how it works. And that's why I was not, to, again, bring it back to the bucks, but I was really close with that staff. And it was really cool to be able to see that these guys are just glorified teachers and you're only as good as you can teach. And that was a big emphasis for these guys. And I, I, I heard the you know Bears coaches say the same thing today was, you know, it's just it's all about being a good teacher. Borgonzi said that today, actually, our the linebackers coach. And he's yeah. been fortunate enough to have really good teachers as, you know, coaches above him. So that's what I feel like is starting to click into place more than anything is not only are the players learning the system, but the coaches are learning Getsy, and that's all then translating a lot more seamlessly down the chain of command, if that makes sense. 
No, 100%. And it really does. I, again, a first-year staff coming together, trying to, to work through all these wrinkles. And again, I always felt like it was ridiculous that people were knocking Getsy already like this guy's a bomb or whatever. And I listen, sometimes when you're new, you're a little bit more conservative and you're going to take some time. And, you know, he's like Getsy's playing like he's working under Eberflus and you still want to please your boss. And you still want to go out there and you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing and you want to put him in a position to, to succeed because Eberflus wants to win games as well. So if you're doing things to go out there and win games, you're still developing the quarterback. I know that it's not, it's not the same as having him go out there and throw the ball 50 times. But what is throwing the ball 50 times done for Jared Goff? What did it do for him last week? What has it done for a lot of these guys? What is it like? Look at Trevor Lawrence kind of regressed last week. Nobody's throwing, nobody's worried about Doug Peterson. I really like the approach that Getsy's taken. And while he's been conservative at times, and it's annoying as a fan because you want these instant results, I can still sit here and watch the big picture and be like, okay, eventually this is going to pay off. Eventually he's going to take more chances. You know, there were there were a couple of instances, the third and three play that I think right before we did a field goal, you know, like I would have rather have passed there. I might have done that, but we saw a coach last year or over the last four years, that would completely ignore one side, like just one part of the game. Like he just wasn't going to run, like no matter what, or he would fall in love with dumb things and you'd be like, what is going on? I think the biggest gripe, which is fair, is being like at times Getsy gets a little conservative, which he'll grow out of. And as Justin continues to excel as a quarterback, there's going to be less instances of that. And he'll probably get the freedom to be like, no, 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 I'm checking out of this. Because I could, I think I could do this. And I swear to everybody else who's upset with this, I invite you. He's usually talking every week. If you listen to Luke Getze talk, you feel immediately better. I don't know if that's me, if I'm a biased person, if I want him to, if I'm wishing him to succeed. But like every time Getze talks, I'm like, okay, I get it. I don't always agree. But I'm like, I get it. I get where you're coming from. There's never like there's always a reason for what these guys do. Yeah. Like there always is like, it, again, you may not agree with it. You may not, whatever, but like there is so much prep work that goes into every aspect of these game plans. And like, you know, just, I mean, this isn't his first rodeo as a coach. Like he knows what he's looking at and there's a reason behind doing something and whether or not it pans out is another story. But like, there's always a reason that these guys aren't just like, I say this all the time. Like they're not just looking at the play hall sheet and being like mm, that one. Yeah. Like it's not, that's not how that works. Hey, screw um, it. Let's go. I'm just going to pick go. this one. Although I will say, so there was something interesting that actually uh, Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator said today, which was that they had decided earlier in the week that they were going to do an onside. They were going to call an onside kick. Yeah. And it was, that was interesting to me. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into it or whatever, but I'm like, this seems like a very calculated, because at the time it was like, yeah, like Eberflus is being aggressive. And, and you know, there was a couple of things like went for the two point conversion and then went for the onside kick. And they went for it on fourth down, like all the other stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, he's being aggressive in the moment. But this seems to have been a very calculated decision earlier in the week of we are going to start being more aggressive. We're going to start taking more risks. Yeah. And I think that you should look for that kind of going forward with this team a little bit more. And I love it. Yeah. He joked about it. Uh, not too long ago. As a matter of fact, it was before I went to Hallis Hall myself is he was talking about like being more aggressive. Like I'm never punting. Oh yeah. He was like, I'm, I'm never, I was there for that. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. And he was just like, yeah, we're never going to punt ever. But like, he was totally joking. He wasn't Dan Campbelling. Um, no. But like, he, although I have a whole other thing on that, but we won't go down that road because this is. Whoa. Well, that, bashing the lions is always. I'm not. No, this was this is this was actually in support of Dan Campbell doing that. I I, yeah. I went through it yesterday and uh, found that the Lions were actually very justified in going for it every time they did. No, they're fine. Why? What? Yeah, they can go for it. But I, uh, but, but Eberflus was joking, and he will punt. But I do like being more aggressive and taking more risks. No, I think they want to. I think that you don't want to go full Brandon Staley, but you still want to be a little Staley. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to be a little, and by the way, like it's funny because I get to talk to people who are in and around the chargers camp and they find that Staley's like kind of a weird, not weird, but 
<laughs> he, I don't know. Awkward might be the best way to put that. Whereas like at least Eberflus is not like he's a human being. Like I connected with him. His daughter graduated from the college that I'm a professor at. We knew he's a Huntington Beach local. Like, yeah, we connected. And he's kind of that person. I guess that's probably why I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, going back to uh, the whys, which is always a dangerous thing when you're talking about the Bears. Let's talk about the whys because it gives you naggy PTSD. But I know that Getsy won me over when after the Green Bay game and they asked why he was in shotgun for that fourth down call. And he gave you the explanation. And again, this goes back to like, you can disagree with them, but he said, our research, our advanced analytics told us that we needed to be from the shotgun. So you at home who has access to all 22 might know better than the coach, which is fine. But that guy who is getting paid for the job did his own research, like really did his own research and uh, decided that was the best way to attack that. And honestly, the hole was there if Justin would have read it, but that won me over like, okay, that explanation made sense. Do I agree? Nah, because you know what play I love now that we're starting to see, which is totally illegal, is the the tight end just runs up behind the quarterback and pushes them into the end zone. What team oh, yeah. did that? Like I'm like, what the? Like that's I, that's against the that was, rules. Wait, was that? Yeah, because I, I can see it, but what team? Oh, was that it? was wasn't it the Bengals? The Bengals did it yes. on Sunday night, I think. Yes, it was the Bengals. Well, because Hayden Hurst like broke. pushed them into the yeah. end zone. Yeah, yeah. they're like, yeah. this is illegal. What is going on? And that's the one it's thing. It's not like, an offensive lineman, though. It's not like I feel like that's why refs haven't called it because it's not an offensive lineman. So I they're like, oh yeah, but like I mean, tight ends are big. They're yeah. big enough. Here's my hot take on that one: is uh, uh, we're going to do it, and it's going to be Cole Komet picking up Justin Fields like a big. Although Justin Fields. He's a big guy, so this one. He's also a big dude. Cole Komet. Cole Komet's going to push Justin Fields over the one yard line, and we're going to get penalized for it. I guarantee you, we will be the first team penalized for that. I, I just know. Like they're waiting. They've been waiting. We've been getting away with like not getting weird roughing the passer penalties. Uh, they yeah, use that true. on Atlanta. Your boys down in Tampa got away with one last night. By the way, when you strip the ball from the quarterback, you should be able to rough them as much as you want. That's a story for another day. Um, but I think that the Bears will get penalized for that. By the way, I want to talk about this. The is flop is flopping legal in the NFL? Because that Bengal, that 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 Vikings player that flopped yeah. on that on that push in the back. I want to see good scoring plays. Why do the referees hate fun? Like that, was, that, was it was it Cam Dancer that did it? Because it was on, yeah, it was on the Justin Fields run. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was. I mean, he sold it. I'm pretty sure it was Cam, and yeah, yeah. he he sold it, and he was because he knew he knew the ref was right there. Oh, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it sucks when it happens against you, but like, if you don't think any other player is going to do that exactly, like, if you have the opportunity to do so, we have we have a team of gentlemen who will not stoop to such underhanded measures as the flop, like the other I did. See I mean, it got a touchdown much. taken back, so I just. By any means necessary, man. I'm I, like, if, I got it. I Fair know. enough, uh, Sammy. Let's do another question. If we've, if we've got any more, uh, what will the Bears need to do to beat Washington? You know, number one, I'm going to say they need to score more points. I think that would that is the key. You know what? I really think it's it's taking advantage of the. I'm struggling because I'm trying to think. What's their nickname again? The Commanders. Taking advantage of them through the air because they have not been a great team uh, at stop in the past, like not at all. And they have a defensive coordinator who's kind of antiquated both on and off the field. And you know what? They have been abused through the air this season. And I hope that perhaps the getting comfortable part of Justin Fields' repertoire has gotten us to the point. And they did. Listen, last week they started off in the shotgun throwing the football. I hope they do that again, but I think it's going to be important for them to throw the ball through the air because I think teams are going to, I think teams are going to try to take away the run. But I think that if you can take advantage of the pass against the Commanders, that is a key to do it. But what do you think? Yeah, you're going to also need to protect Justin because they uh, this defensive front has gotten sacks. They've gotten to the quarterback I think 14 times this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's I feel like they their pass rush they, they lean maybe too much on their pass rush and that's why like the 
the, the pass defense just isn't there. But yeah, I mean they're 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 decent enough against the run. They've got a good pass rush. So just as long as you protect Justin, and then um, I mean if you can prevent them from if you can actually run, like it's going to demoralize them if you can run against them. So like from that, and then defensively, Roquan Smith talked about it today. He's like they have really good receivers. The receiver yeah. core is is the strength of that team. Like what you know, there's the quarterback play, of course. Um, but they're not lacking in the receiving department. And so that's going to be something that you know, hopefully you get Jalen Johnson back. Um, defensive coordinator Alan Williams was kind of talking today like they were going to get him back. Um, I think that he was close this last game, and then they, they ultimately decided to hold him back a little bit. But um, the Bears, again, have had the walkthroughs, but he has been listed as a full participant uh, or estimated to have been a full participant if they would have had practice. So that's a good sign. We'll see what happens tomorrow when he actually does go through a practice. Um, again, that turnaround time is pretty tough. But uh, getting Jalen Johnson back, uh, Alan Williams said it today. He was like, that there's, I can't overstate how much he means to this defense. And Roquan Smith said the exact same thing, given that Washington's strength on offense is their receiving core. Yeah, just making that quarterback pause for a beat. We know that Carson Wentz can be pressured into mistakes. Uh, hopefully, by the way, do you ever think, too, you know, Matt Eberflus, you know, he saw Carson Wentz in practice a lot last season. Do you think that gives him a little bit of an advantage? Um, Maybe just in the sense that you kind of maybe know what makes him tick a little bit more. But it, just from what I've known about how coaching staffs and stuff operate, like you were never really concerned with your starting quarterback uh, as a defensive play caller. And you didn't really see it. Like when your first team defense was on the field, the, the scout team offense was more than likely on the field unless it was training camp. So um, I don't know. And I don't think that there are like Carson Wentz has been on so many teams at this point. Are there any, does he doesn't have any secrets? Yeah. Um, like I think mean, you are like, he is what he, he purports to be. Uh, and so I don't know. I don't know that it'll like, I know that, Eberflus isn't going to say that he has any sort of advantage. I mean, that's kind of a standard coach thing, but I also just don't think that maybe he does. Yeah. And by the way, I want to remind everybody, if you're watching us right now on YouTube or Facebook, please comment using the word sick to let us know that you're enjoying the show. If you're listening to us as a podcast, if you could like and subscribe, maybe leave in a review, put a five-star review. I don't know. That would help us out. An awful lot. And since this is the last time we will be talking before the game starts, I guess we do this every week. But again, a quick reminder, we'll be on after the game on Thursday night. So we'll be recording late after the game. So you'll get all our reactions. So when you wake up Friday morning, we'll hopefully have that for you. And of course, we'll be on WCKG AM 1530 in Chicago on Friday, 2 p.m. Central. Uh, but let's get it. What do you think happens on Thursday? Are the Bears going to walk out of this game victorious? I'm going to say yes. Okay. Uh, for the is this the first time I picked them to win this season? Probably. I hope, that, I hope like yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I I mean, you look at the schedule too, and it's just like this is this is your last opportunity for like a game that just is like super winnable. Yeah. So um, you know, it's prime time. It's at home. This is your shot to, you know, kind of shift the narrative a little bit more around what this team is or perhaps what it isn't. And, yeah, I think that the Bears are going to win because I also think that Washington is kind of a mess. So Kind of a, kind of a dysfunctional franchise. And, yeah, when you look at some of the most what you perceived yeah, as winnable so. games, you know, heading into the season, you saw teams like the Falcons who are undefeated against the spread so far. The New York Jets have been playing incredibly well. There are going to be like some of the games that we thought would be like, well, these could go either way. Those teams are actually playing pretty well. But again, it's going to be difficult. The, the, the Bears are getting better. So, of course, hopefully we start to see some more of those and, and, and more of that progress as we go forward. But I look at this Washington team and say, look, if we don't beat this team, then it might be a might. The, the, the haters might have been correct, but I'm pretty confident that they're going to be able to go out there. I think that. You know, that Washington front four is very good, and they've got a lot of first-rounders on that offensive line and or on that defensive line. And even though we haven't played perfect, still allowed the Vikings to have a little bit too much success rushing the passer. I did like the decisiveness out of Justin Fields in that game. I hope that that continues to go. 
think that David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert have been playing very well. So we're going to find a way. We're going to win. It might not be pretty, but I want to put it on all those people who during last week's Thursday night contest were making jokes about the Bears and the Commanders being the Thursday night game. Let's go out and put up some points and entertain the world and go out there and get a victory. So I hope that's what we're going to see. And that's what I am predicting as well. So again, I want to thank everybody who joined us here this evening. Big big thanks to uh, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, again, go to underdogfantasy.com, download the app, and of course use the, the code SICK to get $100 off uh, or get a, get your, your deposit matched up to $100. And of course, Air Pura, Air Purifiers, we appreciate them and their love as well. Carbon, what, any last words before we get out of here? You always ask me this, and I, I'm still yeah, on the spot every single time. I've got nothing, man. Uh, I just, I'm excited. I'm going to get to go to the game this week, so I'm really excited to be at Soldier Field for the first time this season. Okay, in the private chat, I'm going to be like, Carmen, I'm going to ask you for your final words. But that's okay. I know you do it every single time, and I'm never ready for anything it's, like it's, profound. Um, I'm just not. Nobody should it's be never, taking advice from me. It's never a shock. But in any event, I uh, want to thank you for being here. Thanks so much. Thanks to Anello and Sammy. And you know what? Bear down and see you after a Bears victory on Thursday. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.